Well, this time I'm going to invite up uh, uh, Andrea, and she's going to read our text for this morning. Good morning. Let's prepare ourselves for the word of the Lord. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria, you women who oppress the poor and crush the needy, and say to your husbands, bring us some drinks. The sovereign Lord has sworn by his holiness, the time will surely come when you will be taken away with hooks, the last of you with fish hooks. You will each go straight out through breaches in the wall, and you will be cast out toward Harmon, declares the Lord. Go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin yet more. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years. Burn leavened bread as a thank offering and brag about your free will offerings. Boast about them, you Israelites, for this is what you love to do, declares the sovereign Lord. I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you have not returned to me declares the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away. I sent rain on one town, but withheld it from another. One field had rain, another had none, and dried up. People staggered from town to town for water, but did not get enough to drink. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Many times I struck your gardens and vineyards, destroying them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured your fig and olive trees, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent plagues among you as I did to Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword along with your captured horses. I filled your nostrils with the stench of your camps, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like a burning stick snatched from the fire, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what I will do to you, Israel, and because I will do this to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. He who forms the mountains, who creates the wind, and who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness, and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord God Almighty is his name. If you're just joining us this week, we're in a, a sermon series. It's called Major Prophet from the Minor Prophets. We'll be working our way through three minor prophets over the next three months. And uh, it'll be, we'll be dealing with, uh, one, right now we're in Amos, and that is the prophet that's before Israel or the northern kingdom's destruction by Assyria. And then we'll be in Habakkuk, and that is after Israel's destruction by Assyria, but before the exile to Babylon for Judah. And then we'll be looking at um, Malachi, um, and that is after the return uh, from Babylon, uh, from exile. And as we're walking through this series, there's a lot of... Uh, heaviness. There's a lot of, it's hard to wrap our minds around some of these concepts. Um, and so the first thing that I want to look at is, one, uh, we're looking at four chapters, okay? So today we, we, we just looked, we read four, and so you got a, a picture. 
But realistically, this proclamation of coming judgment that God issues to Israel is covered through four chapters, two through six. But we're not going to cover all of it like in detail today. You're welcome. But there is some, as we walk through this series, I'm gonna, we're going to summarize this uh, impending judgment on Israel. And as we walk through this series, there is something that I felt was really important that we could take from this text, from this example or bad example in Israel. In order for us to process it, what we have to wrap our minds around, and you won't be able to, so it's okay, is the combination of perfect love and perfect justice, okay? God is perfectly loving and perfectly just. How do those things function together? Well, we, without the Holy Spirit, are incapable of <laughs> putting those things together, I think, perfectly. But, but God is. And as I looked at the four chapters, this seemed like one that I wanted to, to hover on because I think it expresses this very well. As uh, Andrea was reading through, you heard it said five times, yet you have not returned to me. Right? We heard that five times. You with me? You have not returned to me. Jesus, God, the Father here, knows what is best for us, what is good for us. We see this reiterated by Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, Come to me, all who, are, who have labored and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But he starts it out by saying what? Come to me. Let me hear you say it. Come to me. That's not me. That's God, right? Come to God, all those who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe that, church. Amen. And so there's so much for us to understand in these examples from the minor prophets of God's rich and perfect character. So he's speaking to Israel, his chosen family, and he's saying, come to me, return to me, return to me, and they wouldn't listen. They'd close the mouths of the prophets. And so what's he do? He corrects them. Well, we can't wrap our mind around God's correction. It's kind of hard for us to understand why he would uh, cause plagues and, and, and drought and, and the five different things that we listed here. Why would he do that? Well, because he knew what was good for them. Come to me. And each one of these things was to point back. It's not a coincidence that God saved them from Egypt, right? And what did he do to get them out? These same things. And so there's, this, this should be fresh enough on the Israelites' minds as, as they have been studying what happened to them. They knew the story of Egypt well. So as these things are happening, they should be going, oh, maybe God's trying to bring us out of slavery, Right? Different type of slavery. Slavery nonetheless. We see from this uh, in Amos 5.15 that God hates evil. He hates it. And he encourages us. He says, hate evil. Love good. Pre seems pretty straightforward, right? Well, it's not. 
But what's important to understand as well is that he's always extending himself to make a way back to him. We see it in Isaiah 44, 22. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. As I was thinking about this concept of correction, I was thinking about uh, my relationship with my daughter. And we all have different ways of correcting, and none of them are perfect. You're welcome. That's an extension of grace right there. But my daughter was having issues in school. She didn't want to be there. It was causing inner turmoil. And so she was getting sick, especially on Mondays, don't we all, right? Monday is the day of, oh gosh, it's back to work. I feel like I could puke. So this was happening, you know, feeling sick, feeling sick. And so I pondered, how do I process this and show my daughter that I love her while helping her do the thing that's good for her, right? One, you can only miss so much school, and then you got to do it again. That stinks. <laughs> but, but the other thing is it's good that she's there. It's good that she's building relationships. It's good that she's learning. And so what I said was, if you're sick, then I will take all the toys out of your bedroom. Okay? And there will be no screen time. You shall rest in your bed so that you can be better. <laughs> I don't think she took me seriously <laughs> because it was like the next day or something, right? We get a call from the nurse. Uh, Ava's sick. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that, right? Then we get a call. She's dry heaving. I'm like, well, I guess she's pulled the card, right? It's time. Got to go get her. And so we brought her home. And guess what she did? She went to her room with no toys and no screen time. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was 8 years old, 15 minutes in my room with nothing would have driven me crazy. I probably would have started breaking things, which would have gotten me in more trouble. Um, my daughter's amazing. She was up there for five hours. Not a peep. And when she finally came down, I was like, hey, what are you doing? Da, da, da. And she goes, she goes, is school over? And I said, Yes. Can I play now? And I said, well, honey, you're sick. That's what, you know, that's why I had to go get you. You're sick. And so you need to rest and recover. Well, I'm better now. Wow. It's a miracle. (laughs) Uh, I wasn't buying it. So I said, I'm sorry. You made a decision. You understood what the consequences of the decision were. And so now you get to spend the rest of your day in your room. She did not like that. Not at all. I bet you that didn't feel very loving. Bet you it didn't. It wasn't easy for me to do. I felt crummy. I was like, I'd rather play with my daughter. I'd rather let her go play outside. That seems like a great use of her time. But I didn't. I held fast. My daughter's gone to school every day since. Okay? She hasn't called sick. She hasn't gone down to the nurse's office. What'd she learn? There's consequences for our actions. Those consequences are real, 
and I would rather be in school than face those consequences. The point is that in the acting or the doing of, of holding fast to the consequences of the actions that she had made was the most loving thing I could do. It was the most loving thing that I could do. It didn't change the nature of our relationship. If anything, it made it deeper because I'm able to express that love in a way that is healthy and full. And God does that way better than I do. Way, way better than I do. And what we can hold on to is the fact that he's there waiting with open arms to receive us when we come back. Right? So when we make mistakes, when we fall short, he's always there. I think of the prodigal son, whereas the, the father sees him far off, runs to him with open arms. That's how much God loves us. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. All right, there's my intro. So Let's dig into this text a little more richly. I hope now you have at least a glimpse of this concept of love and justice. We can't wrap our minds around God's, how, how God goes about being just. I've tried. Maybe you have wrapped your mind around it. I certainly haven't, so props to you. But we're gonna dig into this particular interaction between God and Israel through Amos and see what there is for us to learn. And last two, two weeks ago, sorry, Glenn did an intro. It was fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so if you missed that and you're going to be joining us for this series, really important that you give it a listen, okay? It's on YouTube, it's on Facebook. If you're going to be joining us for the series, it's really worth listening to because he lays the groundwork for what's going on at this time in history and gives us some encouragements. On top of these encouragements, he gives us what I would call our foundational piece for this whole series. We're going to get there in a second. Here's Glenn's encouragement. This is to all followers of Jesus Christ. So if that is you this morning, three encouragements. God has chosen and called you to speak and act on his behalf. Okay? God has chosen and called you to speak and act on his behalf. The example is Amos, a shepherd, has now gone and is speaking and acting on God's behalf. We too are the temple. And now, well, he wasn't the temple. We are the temple, but we now get to be ambassadors on God's behalf and speak and act as such. Second, God has empowered and equipped you with everything you need to obey him. And that, uh, Glenn took a, a snippet or a screenshot of the uh, different things that the Holy, how the Holy Spirit empowers us out of the New Testament. And finally, our lives are to be a demonstration of God's love for all people. So as we look at the judgment on Israel today, I want to look at it in light of this concept that, that Glenn gave us last week, which is the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us. This is from uh, Mark 12, 
29 through 31. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So as we look at God's words through Amos to Israel over these four chapters, I've broken them down into these two commands, okay? So I, I looked at all the reasons the, uh, for the impending judgment coming on Israel, and I, and I divvied them up between the two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. Ironically, although I don't know that it's that ironic, there's 22 reasons for the impending judgment on Israel. And I don't think it's a coincidence that I believe 11 fall into each category. So let's pull up. I've got a slide here for you of love the Lord your God with all your heart. Oh, I hope I have a slide for you. If not, I'm in trouble because I don't have it with me. Let me find out if I've got a slide for you. Do you have a slide? Okay. They have it, but they're struggling technically. All right. Well, let me, I don't have my phone on me either, which is a bummer, because I have it on there, and then I could at least look at it. Well, yours won't help me the way mine would. Okay. I'll let them work on that, and then we'll swing back, okay? We're going to swing back. But you're going to have to trust me on this. There's 11. <laughs> reasons that are in love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then there's 11 that are in love your neighbor as yourself. And basically, the dealings between the two are looking at the, uh, one is dealing with issues that the, that the Israelites or the northern kingdom have uh, in, in their practice and showing devotion, commitment, and obedience to the covenant that they had with God. And then on the other end, we have how they were treating people. And in the 11 texts deal with their, the way they are treating people poorly, the word justice, okay, is used five times, okay? In Israel's crimes against other people, the word justice is used five times. What I'm going to argue with you today and you can discern this for yourself. Go back. Read Amos 2 through 6 and decide if this is how you feel about it. But I think that the 22 items brought against Israel by God through Amos are all dealing with injustice. Okay? You with me? Perfect. So I'm going to... I'm gonna, this brings me to my second point, which might have been more impactful with the slides. Let's say yes. That way you guys feel like I'm doing a really good job. Okay? All right. Christians are to care about injustice. Okay? Christians are to care about injustice. Now I'm going to put a qualifier in here, and there's going to be some different thoughts on this. So you can talk to me about it if you'd like. But I would say, especially injustice against God. Okay? So Christians are to care about injustice, especially injustice about, 
or towards God. Now, where there can be a lot of conversation about this is, well, Aaron, isn't injustice against people also injustice against God? That is true. Absolutely. Why? Well, God cares about people, right? And he cares about how they're treated. Clearly, he's, he's hollering through Amos at Israel about how they're treating people. So he cares about people. It's been clear from his engagement to Abraham where he says, go and bless the nations. That's caring about people. And so you could spin on, well, injustice against people is injustice against God. And I agree. That is true. But I think you need to be careful because I think that it's easy to get caught up in traps based on how cultures have hijacked language. Okay? You with me? All right. Great. Israel, the northern kingdom, was at its peak of its prosperity at this time. And that's why I think it's relevant for us to be observing this carefully because we live in a prosperous time. It may not be the most prosperous time, depending on how you feel about where we're at today, but we certainly have a lot of stuff, for better or worse. And at this point in history, Israel, the northern kingdom, also had a lot of stuff. They were like the trading hub between Egypt and the north. And so lots of money coming through. They were doing really, really well. And in this prosperity, they had become indifferent to injustice. They'd become indifferent. As I was looking around about injustice and and Christianity, I came across this quote. This is by John Piper, and he said this. The moral stupor that comes over us when we are satisfied with the comforts of this world, the dulling of our capacities to care about injustice is owing to the fear of man because so many of us fear that if we feel strongly or give uh, expression to caring about some manifestation of injustice, somebody is going to put a theological or political label on us and that's going to feel misleading and offensive. He's not done yet. And so, we will convince ourselves that indifference to injustice is a price worth paying to maintain our reputation. Ooh. Israel had done this. They'd convinced themselves that indifference was okay. In fact, we read multiple times about all the ways that they were doing their religious things in this chapter, it talks about go to, to Gilgal and go to Bethel, sin even more. What are they going there for? Do you, do you know? They're going there to tithe, give offerings, do all their religious affair. And at the end of the day, that's all it was. Just a whole lot of, let me do a bunch of stuff that makes me look good. Warning, is that how we treat church? Is it? I hope not, too. I'm with you, Bill. I hope not, too. And it's not the church we want to be, right? I mean, I think that's been crystal clear as we have been walking together. It's not the church we want to be. 
Well, Aaron, you talked about injustice, and you talked about Christians need to care about injustice. Can you lay that out for us a little bit more? You bet I can. So, Christians care about injustice because all justice properly defined is rooted in God. Woo! What do we believe God is? Perfectly what? Perfectly just and perfectly loving. And he puts these things together. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. That's Revelation 15.3. Revelation 16.7. Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Matthew 12.20 says, a, batter, a, a bruised reed will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. We know that God is justice, and justice is an outpouring of our love of God and of people. Okay? So justice is an outpouring of our love of God and people. We saw that, right? We would have seen it clearer with the slides. They're ready. They're not going up now. So we would have seen it clearer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, there it is. See? Yep. Heart, soul, mind. Next one. Neighbor as yourself. Boom. There's 11 things there. You can look at them later. So we see that this justice is an outpouring of loving God and loving people. In Micah 6, 8, it says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with your God. Hosea 12, 6 says, By the help of your God, hold fast to love and justice and wait continually for your God. Amos 5.24, so just the next chapter. Let justice roll down like water and righteousness like ever-flowing streams. And in Luke 11.42, Woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. They were doing all the different things Israel was, but they were neglecting loving God and loving people. They were doing all the religious practices. They were tithing. They were giving things. And it had gotten corrupted, but they were still doing these things. And yet, they were not loving God and loving people. In fact, they had made a disgrace of it. Now, I had talked about that we care as Christians, especially about injustice towards God. And, and, and I'm going to explain why this is important. And I've seen this happen. If you let injustice from man towards man overshadow injustice against God, it often consumes you. Okay? So when you start to see how wretched people can be and how they're treating other people, and you let that consume you, then you're opening yourself up to be filled with bitterness, anger, hatred, and you can lose sight 
of the whole love your neighbor thing altogether, right? Because all those people you might be angry at, you might be frustrated with, those are your neighbors too, okay? You with me? When we focus our eyes on the injustice against God and we fix our gaze on Jesus, then we're able to approach the injustice of man on man with a different perspective, God's perspective. Lord willing, right? That's the perspective we want. Men come up with a lot of ideas, and history has proven over and over and over again those ideas come up short, right? God is perfect. I'm going to invite up uh, Diane. She's going to bring some music for communion. Because I want, as we're, as we're transitioning out of this idea of judgment and justice, we need to fix our eyes, two things, on the incredible mercy of God and the unbelievable injustice that was imposed against God. And I'm going to get into that, Okay. Let's make this personal. Many of us have, at one point or another, exchanged the glory of God for the creation, for the creation, right? Many of us, at one point or another, have exchanged the glory of God for creation. This is injustice against God, okay? But there's good news, amen? There's good news, the gospel, good news, God filled with mercy, unwavering in perfect justice, sent his son in human flesh to save us from the just penalty of our injustice against him. In Acts 8, 32 through 33, it says this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So, He opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Justice was denied him. God, most worthy of perfect justice, embraced injustice against himself to create a bold people representatives of his justice, of his love to all people. Amen? Let's pray. God, we are so thankful. God, we are so thankful for all you have done for us. You keep calling, return to me, return to me. Lord, we pray that we would be fixing our eyes on you, that we would be encouraging and building each other up, laying level paths so that we can, as a community, move towards greater maturity in Christ. God, as we enter into communion, I pray that you would just allow us to receive. As we've processed a lot about your justice and about injustice, God, that you would put us in a posture to receive this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.